0: helping realtors on Vancouver Island stay connected, current, and on the cutting edge. This is the Vancouver Island Real Estate Show. Here's your host, Braden Wheatcroft. All right. Good morning, everybody. This is the Vancouver Island Real Estate Show, and I am your host, Brayden Wheatcroft. I'm coming to you live on Facebook from the, our West Shore office, Remax Commotion West Shore on a beautiful July day here in the summertime, really enjoying things. It's uh, I tell you, it's hard to be inside when it's as nice as it is outside right now. But you know what? I'm glad you're here with us. We've got a great show for you today. I'm uh, chatting here with one of my new mentors, Corey Raven. And we're gonna be talking about the the new changes, the new agency disclosure rules that have rolled out June 15th. I know we've been talking a lot about them uh, recently in in past episodes. If you didn't see or catch last week's episode that I did with Darren German, uh, Darren is a realtor in the Fraser Valley board who recently did a survey with a number of top producing agents in the province uh, talking about certain scenarios that we find ourselves very common in this business and what are they gonna do about it? So he had a lot of really great practical tips from the people who are actually in the trenches in the day to day that are going through um, dealing with these new rules and, and trying to do their best to serve the consumers. Today, Corey is gonna be giving us a little bit of an elevated position. Uh, Corey is a broker owner of a Remax office in Vancouver. He's also, his office is a part of a larger organization. Uh, Last I checked, they had upwards of 270 agents working within it. Very, very successful, a lot of transactions going through their organization. So what Corey's gonna bring to the table today is a higher level view of what he's seeing his agents go through. And I think it's gonna be a really valuable conversation for us to have. So I'm just gonna read a couple quick notes about Corey so you can get to know him. Uh, As I say, he's the broker owner of Remax Select in Vancouver, he's been there since 2010. Uh, He's been a membership uh, leader, sorry, a member of the leadership team for Remax of Western Canada. He served on a number of different committees with the Vancouver Real Estate Board, including professional conduct, board development, and the member arbitration appeals committee. And currently, he's now sitting on the board of directors for BCREA. So he's very, very involved uh, both in his business and also the the industry side of uh, our real estate market. So with all that being said, please join me in welcoming Mr. Corey Raven. Corey, buddy. Hey. Hey. How's it going? Pretty darn good, man. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for having me. I see you've uh, you did the mad scramble. You cleaned your your office up. It looks so clean and tidy and professional. Does it always look like that?
1: You you know what I actually just between you and I don't tell anyone else.
0: I <laughs> You're actually are not went into pants.
1: a pants. I well that, and I went into <laughs> a boardroom because my office is just far too messy. Never looks like that. So.
0: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Neither does mine. That's the advantage of me not having an office. Uh, roaming around from brokerage to brokerages. I don't have an office to get messy. Um, <laughs> So I was doing a little bit of digging on you over the last week. Uh, you know, we've got to know each other now over the last year. Um, I've been more involved in the management side of, of real estate rather than the sales side. And and I, I've looked to you for, for advice over the last uh, year because you're one of the youngest managing brokers I know, one of the youngest broker owners I know. So it's really cool to be able to pick your brain and get your perspective on things. But I have to say, of all of the things I found on your LinkedIn profile, the thing that intrigued me the most was... Ah, uh, your experience for a couple of years as a expert witness listed at various law firms. Oh, yeah. What the yeah. heck is all that all about? <laughs> yeah, so it, it
1: actually, it, it's actually it's a couple of years on now and still continuing. And interestingly enough, the way that the court systems work is sometimes it's not good enough for a lawyer just to look at something in real estate and say this is the way that it is. So courts, uh, judges, and juries will need an expert in the field, which after a certain amount of time, I guess anyone can be, or you can purport yourself to be. And uh, I was approached by a law firm, I think my first time about five years ago, with a case where a buyer and seller were fighting over the value of a fountain in the backyard, and they couldn't agree on what it was. So I was called in to do some market research as to what the value of a fountain in the backyard was. Uh, Since then, that law firm and a few others have brought me in for various um, things to do when, when buyers and sellers can't agree and things end up in court and, and different law firms go to different people and, and I've been lucky enough to do it. It's my, as Gary V would say, side hustle.
0: <laughs> so that's that's pretty amazing. And you're you're so you're praising things like fountains. So you know if you previously worked at Rona or Home Depot or anything like what makes <laughs> you the the subject matter expert in, in fountains?
1: Well that's the that's the funny part about it is it's it simply just as being a realtor manager of, with with you know twenty years of experience and and uh, managing people and reviewing X number of deals per year I guess has has made me in the court's uh, eyes a expert and allowed me to speak to such things like the value of fountain.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what is the going rate of a fountain these days?
1: I don't know if I'm allowed to disclose that. I think that case might not have ever been dealt with but sure. it was substantial.
0: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I've seen over the years, crazy things removed from properties on closing. Like uh, probably the, the the craziest thing I've seen is uh, someone must have spent a lot of money on um, really stylish uh, numbers for the front of their house, for their address. Oh, yeah. And on closing, yeah. they actually... Uh, took it with them, which just seems crazy to me. I don't know if, if that was one of their criteria for their next home is, is the address has to have some combination of these, <laughs> the address, but yeah, it, it is amazing. All the things we get dragged into in a real estate transaction for sure. For sure. Now, uh, as I understand it, you're currently sitting on the board of directors for the British Columbia real estate association. Correct. Yeah. 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 So you've been doing that for a year and a half year, five months, I believe.
1: I got on the board originally in uh, March of 2017, so just over a year, yeah.
0: Wow, okay, so at that point in time, I believe the IAG report actually had already been released, and we were already kicking it around a little bit at that point, is that correct?
1: That's right, yeah, so um, I I guess at this point, I've got to give the boring but required disclaimer that uh, although I sit on the board of BCREA, because I'm not the, the president, I don't speak on their behalf, so today I'm just here as a as a uh, broker owner, but um, but by all means uh, factual stuff like that. Yeah, the, the IAG report I believe came out in September 2016 and yeah. there was a response from the board at that time of BCREA um, at that same point. So by the time I came into the board, it was the IAG report had been out and the uh, superintendent had tipped their hat as to what they thought the steps were going to be, mm. including the ban on limited dual agency, which I think originally was set for January of this year before a couple of um, delays, if I remember correctly.
0: So you actually saw some of this coming and you, was that a bit of a call to action for you to get involved or, or did you always wanna get involved with BCREA? You know,
1: I didn't know, I, I BCREA wasn't uh, wasn't specifically on my radar, but I, I've, I've joined, as you mentioned, several committees at, at my local board, the Greater Vancouver board and, um, it's one of those things where I think certain people are just drawn to um, to playing a role in in leading organizations, and I have actually never sat on the board of my the board of directors at my own board, which is unusual. I sort of leapfrog that. Oftentimes, before someone goes to BCREA, they've already sat on their own local boards uh, board, and and oftentimes right up to president. So I I thought. When the opportunity presented itself that maybe I could give a bit of a fresh perspective with someone. I'm the, I'm what they call the governance rookie. I was the, the person without any of that experience that came to the table. And once in a while, I hope I'm able to give some left field ideas that, that come from that, uh, that newness and, and uh, naivety that I've got.
0: Yeah, that's uh, it's it's interesting when you when you have that fresh perspective for sure. I'm sure they do appreciate it. Um, well, and, and I and I get that you can't speak on behalf of BCRA, and by no means do I want to put you on the spot. I'm just curious what your experience was um, seeing a lot of these changes unfold because you weren't on the board when the report came out. As you say, the superintendent um, had given some some foreshadowing to where we were going. Uh, you decided to get involved, and then you were you know right at the table um, representing the you know, along with the other board of directors, uh, the other agents, the 26,000 agents in, in the province of British Columbia, while all of these changes were happening. Um, I'm just curious, what was going through your mind as you were watching all of this uh, unfold in that uh, board of directors room?
1: Well, I'll tell you, it, it's, I think like a lot of agents in the province, the, when, when they, Superintendent came out and said that dual agency was going to be taken away. The reaction of most, and, and I'm I'm probably one of them, was ah, we don't do a lot of dual agency, and that's in the bigger cities. I know in in some of the smaller towns and communities, it's much more of a thing because they don't have the critical mass of, of amount of population and agents. But in in the Vancouver market, the agents at my uh, brokerage group about 270 agents over three offices, the vast majority of them didn't really think it was a big deal because they personally don't do a lot of dual agency deals um so there wasn't really a huge amount of uh you know hair on fire type of worry with just Mm -hmm. that announcement that didn't really come until uh, i'm trying to remember the month sometime earlier this year the council came uh, came through with some interpretations of some of these what were going to be the new rules, which we hadn't seen. We hadn't seen the forms, we hadn't seen what the actual rules were going to be. And one of the things, the big thing that came up was this idea of double recusal, which was if you're you're working with a client and another one of your clients comes and wants to buy uh, your current listing, that you would have to step as an agent, step away from both ends of the transaction, which agents thought, you know, this isn't good for me and it's definitely not good for my clients. And that's really where, my agents started to say, "Hey, wait a second! This isn't just banning dual agency. This whole different thing that's going to be coming down." Then, as the months went by, um, there was the superintendent clarified that it wasn't his intention to make it so a, a realtor would have to step away from both sides. We then started to see some of the forms. that the date got changed from March 15th to uh, June 15th, and actually, it came to pass at June 15th and and did come. We've now seen the forms. We now know what the reality is, and we're. I guess a a month into it now at this point. So, and I was I was saying to you and uh, you know as we chatted a little bit before the interesting thing and I'm sure we'll get into some of this stuff more is the questions that I'm getting from my agents aren't hey I've got this deal that would have been a dual agency deal how do I deal with it it's more of When do I do this form? Who do I give this form to? How do I have that conversation with somebody about this new form? How do I explain it to a member of the public? So it's a, it's a bunch of kind of offshoot things that have, that have happened in the, in the industry, Mm -hmm. really not specifically to dual agency.
0: Well, and, and I think you're you're right. There's a lot to unpack here, and we are going to get to um, sort of the things that you're seeing, and, and hopefully some really practical tips that that people can actually use in their business. Uh, before we we launch into that, I just want to ask you. Um, you know, obviously I, I work on Vancouver Island. I, I my market was Nanaimo for a long time. I've now lived in Victoria for a year, and and as a lot of these changes and and all the the people who are unhappy about them and whatnot. I I kept hearing this this sort of turn of phrase of, there's a a few bad apples. And it was always in reference to a couple of realtors who operated in Vancouver, and it was round shadow flipping, et cetera, et cetera. And I think a lot of these changes from what I've seen have been labeled as a knee-jerk reaction to a couple bad agents. But I'm also seeing now that the changes have been out, a lot of agents, many that I look up to are very professional are looking at these changes saying, you know what, these are actually really good for our industry in a lot of respects. I, I'm just curious, like you live and work in the Vancouver market. Um, obviously you're the epicenter of, of real estate in the province. Um, I mean, what's your sense of these changes, these rules? And, you know, is it a knee-jerk reaction? Is it just a couple, you know, bad apples that, that have caused all of this to happen? Or is this just long overdue improvements to our industry?
1: Interestingly, in, in my view, it's both. Um, it was it was a it was definitely a few bad apples that that sort of set this into motion. The uh, as you mentioned, there was the shadow flipping story that hit the Globe and Mail in 2016, which kind of started this fever pitch and and really put pressure on the government to look at and and eventually make changes to the industry. So it was definitely a, a bad apple situation that um, that was the genesis of it all. But as the rules have come, and we've seen now that, you know, in addition to not being able to do a dual agency deal, there's new forms which explain agency better and tell members of the public why it's really important to uh, to use a realtor and have a realtor in your corner in a transaction, that there, there actually is a lot of good in it, um, despite the fact that it came from something that wasn't necessarily good. Uh, you know lots of uh, agents all over the place but my agents included are having some struggles with some of the uh, minutiae some of the stuff about uh, exactly when forms are required and and quite frankly all the anxiety is is um, around all of this is because we've got a bunch of really really good agents not just in my office all over the all over the province that wants to do their job right they want to understand the rules and they want to obey the rules and we've hit june 15th with a with a, a fundamental shift in kind of the way that things are done and so I, I can't imagine it happening without some sort of level of anxiety good or bad
0: okay are you ready for the second disclaimer of the episode
1: I think so we were we were talking we should have just got the disclaimer yeah we
0: should well if you if you lead with two disclaimers you you lose people right away they just like next Um, okay so first disclaimer was you're not speaking on behalf of BCRA the second disclaimer here is you are a managing broker I am not Uh, you're in a position to give managing broker advice to your own respective agents anyone who's watching this show and has got an idea or they they like you know they hear something they want to run with it um, we're Corey, you and I are both strongly encouraging them to go and vet it by their own managing broker in their brokerage. Is that right?
1: Very much so. Uh, for a couple of reasons are the managing broker at someone's office is the person who who is there to interpret rules and tell you what the policies and procedures are. And the other thing is just from a risk management point of view, and I'm a big risk management nerd um, <laughs> The as an agent, if you're following your brokerages policies, you and you, you've got a you can show a pattern of the fact that you've been going to training and talking to your broker and asking questions when and if something goes wrong or it's alleged that something went wrong you're going to be in a much better position, whether it be in court or in front of counsel or whatever, given that, Mm -hmm. Hey, this is the way that I do my business. I engage, I learn, I talk to my managing broker, but this mistake was made rather than if there's no evidence of that and you're just watching videos online and getting all of your advice from someone who you've never met. So by all means, talk to your managing broker.
0: And, uh, Hey, we didn't lose anybody in the last 30 seconds based on those disclaimers. So great work. Keep okay. Common, more Keep to put <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's, let's cut to the chase. then. so you, you, you work within an organization that has 270 realtors, you've got 55 agents in your own office. Um, I imagine you've they've had a lot of people banging on your door saying, Hey, Corey, got a minute. That's kind of the old managing broker cliche. I'm told, um, what, are, what are some of the most common, if you could sort of list them, uh, the one, two, three biggest pain points that these new rules are causing for your, your agents in your office?
1: Sure.
0: So, uh, a few things. The, the biggest one is that one of the
1: forms that has been uh, that has been brought out that replaces this brochure that we used to have called working with a realtor, it's called the it's called the disclosure of representation and trading services. And it basically lays out what an agent does and if an agent's working for you, what their responsibilities are, if an agent's not working with you, which means you're an unrepresented party, uh, what what their duties are that way gives you the options of how that looks as a member of the public. So it's a great way to explain to people exactly what this relationship is going to look like if we decide to work together. The, the biggest pain point amongst all of my agents, and I think, quite frankly, we would find throughout the province, is the fact that the current interpretation from uh, council is that that form needs to be done at an extremely early time. I mean, I've had people ask me questions like, if I'm at a dinner party, and someone asks me if I'm in real estate, can I say yes? And like, like such extreme um, versions of people thinking you literally can't say hello to somebody without handing a disclosure, you know, sticking a disclosure in their face. And um, so although the disclosure explains a lot of great things, and I think was quite frankly, long overdue some sort of disclosure form like that and does a better job than the working with a realtor brochure previously did. The I I would I would think that if people could get some black and whites from the council as to, you know, no, no, if you're at a dinner party and someone just asks if you're in real estate and how's the market and you give some general answers, you're probably good to not stick a form in their face. But once someone starts asking you some personal questions or your opinions on what that all means or is it a good time to buy and sell. Um, you know, then then a form like that would be required. So that's probably the biggest one. The second one is just the sheer amount of new paperwork that is required. Yeah. Um, I I was at a REMAX uh, convention in Las Vegas five years ago and there's an agent from California and California apparently in the state is the one state that's very form heavy. So right. this agent came up and at the time our you know if you wanted to put together a real estate transaction you needed maybe 10, 12 pieces of paper total from start to finish. And at that time in California it was, you know, 50, 60. And this wow. this guy basically talked to everybody and said, in your different marketplaces, it is coming. And form by form, things will get more and more. Whether it's for our protection as an industry, you know, hey, I want to make sure that, that I disclosed it to you. Whether it's a seller's protection, I want to make sure that the buyer acknowledges, or for the buyer's protection, everyone's going to need more forms and we're seeing that come to to life and this isn't the end it's because there's going to be more and more but i did the math um based on the current rate of us receiving forms and this isn't forms that are, are that are attached to transactions this is just a form where someone met someone at an open house or a showing They Mm -hmm. felt like they needed to present this this new disclosure of representation form. No deal comes of it, but it's still required to be sent into the brokerage. I did the math. We'll be looking at about 2,500 forms Mm -hmm. that will come into the office, need to be looked at from a compliance point of view, stored for seven years, made available for counsel if and when um, they ever come looking for them. And that's at my office of just over 50 agents. So right, I, I might have
0: missed that. You said 2,500 a day, a month, a year. Oh, sorry. In,
1: in a year, just, in a just year. based on yeah. the first month. If I extrapolate that out looking out, it's going to be 2,500 for a year as a as a rough guess and probably double that for each of my hundred man offices. So you're looking at about 12,500 new forms with one ownership group and we're by no means the biggest ownership group uh, in in the city. So a lot wow. of paper.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I, I want to circle back to the very first pain point because I, I, I'd be curious to hear your interpretation. That that word frustrates me beyond. Uh, because I, I, I what I'm understanding is that you know the superintendent decides what what he believes is going to be best for the the buyers and sellers, and I am all for uh, elevating the professionalism. I think that's great. Those those rules get passed down to council, and then those get interpreted on how to actually um, deploy them but then they land on your lap and now it's up to you and all the other managing brokers in the province to interpret what council says in order to you advise the agent. So I, do I have that sort of chain of command fairly yeah. correct? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's frustrating when you don't have that um, black and white. Here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. I'll give you a perfect example. One of my best friends from Nanaimo recently called me and said, you know, we're looking at buying an investment property you know when we pick your brain and i thought to myself holy smokes i even though i don't sell anymore now i'm in a situation where this is a person i've known for a long time um you know like we we've, we've had other business dealings whatever and now i'm in a position where i have to send paperwork over is that you, your understanding as well as like when we start talking in those general terms when do you cross the line to you now have to submit the disclosure form what's your interpretation
1: yeah so the so counsel luckily Uh, for us has given pretty clear uh, rules on, on when they say the forms needed. And right now their interpretation is if you are answering anything other than general public questions, general public information questions, which means no opinions, just facts, and facts that someone could find without you. So they don't need a realtor to get that. So something even as simple as what a place sold for down the street. Um, before that place is completed, so while it's, it's not public information, likely requires a form. Uh, all sorts of situations wow. where a realtor is thinking to themselves, you know, I'm not really providing any trading services here because we're not going to be working together. Like you, I, I'm what they call a non-competing manager, so I don't sell real estate. But if a member of the public, in the, in the council size, obviously I'm a realtor, so if a member of the public calls me and has some questions, I've got to provide them with a form even though there's no chance that i'm going to be making an agency relationship with them and putting together a deal with them so uh, I, I know you had said before and, and i definitely want to want to keep it on point but, you know we don't want to turn this into a wine test, but i no. do need to acknowledge that there's a lot of anxiety out there in the province amongst all sorts of realtors like i say that are trying to do their job right and they don't feel like they've got the the right tools uh, to do it so th- here's my frustration If you want to hire a licensed assistant or an unlicensed assistant, you can go onto the council website right now, and the council has two pages. One of them is, here's what a licensed assistant can do, and one of them is, here's what an unlicensed assistant can do. And they're very black and white things. They go into, can they do an open house? Can they open up a door for another licensee? Boom, 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 all of these things. I would have loved to have seen council do something similar to that with these new rules um in, instead this time they seem to take the they seem to have taken the um you ought to think carefully about whether or not you're providing agency services type of thing like they, the answers that they're giving to, to members of the of the uh, or, or not members of the public sorry to licensees are fairly gray in the this is something that you should think about and they've actually even recommended to people that they get legal advice but often people aren't wondering about, the legal of it. They're wondering about counsel's interpretation. 10 minutes.
0: Yes. Sorry, Corey. I, uh, this is the thing about live streams is, uh, sometimes you can't avoid when people knock on your door and say, Hey, when are you going to be out of the office? <laughs> 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 oh boy. No safety net when you're doing Facebook That's, live. Um, I, so I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, talk about the anxiety and, and I, I again, as I said to you um, before we went live, we want to keep this positive. We want to keep it upbeat. And I think that's your base nature. You want to go there. Um, talking about that anxiety, how do we, uh, what, what's the toolkit or the tactics or, or systems in place that any realtor who wants to do the right thing, wants to be a professional, uh, wants to be compliant, wants to manage risks. Like what are some of the practical steps that, that if they were, that person was in your office you would suggest to them, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to have this and this and this in place. Uh, go. The, well, the, the thing that I say to my agents is the, the
1: first thing from my understanding of anxiety, the first issue with anxiety is that the feeling where there's fear, but there's nothing you can do to actually deal with it to get rid of that fear. That's kind of the base of what anxiety feels like. So the, the first thing is, I, I And I, I don't think this is a very popular opinion amongst my agents that are anxious, is we just need to deal with it and get on with our lives. I actually made a post in a, in a Facebook group that I'm with with some Vancouver agents about that. And my point wasn't just let's roll over and take it. I think there's all sorts of very concrete things that we as agents, that boards and the BCREA can be taking to council. Uh, as far as what can be improved and changed and all the rest of it. But while that happens in the background, while, while we tell our leaders, you know, these are the points that we need changed, us sitting here today, my realtors sitting in their offices beside me, need to just get on with it and sell real estate because this is the way that it is. And if there are any changes, A, in my view, they're probably going to be not extreme and B, they're probably going to take a long time. These organizations take a long time to, to do things. The council's not just going to come out tomorrow and say, here's the black and white answers that you've all been, been looking for. So for the foreseeable future, this is the reality that we're in. So mm-hmm. just kind of sink in and, and let that let, let it be known that you're not going to make that change early. And then from a practical point of view, there's a few things people can do. The council put out a new course. I don't know if you've had a chance to take mm-hmm. it. The, yeah. the new rules online course. It's excellent. I mean, whether or not, whatever your opinions are on the new course, it's a great way you go through five modules. They explain it all. They ask you all sorts of real life questions. They let you know if you got the question right or wrong and every agent after taking that course is better equipped and understands the rules better. And they, they know where councils at it with their mindset. Um, the other thing is, you know, I'm not here to, uh, to, to recruit, but, if someone's at an office where they feel like they can't talk to their managing broker or they go to their managing broker and they're not getting answers that that are satisfactory or quite frankly if their brokerage hasn't proactively over the last two months been putting on training and letting people know how it's all working and this and that you know you may want to go shopping around to see if there's a brokerage that's going to to fit you a little bit better because this has been the biggest fundamental change in our industry as far as how things are are done in the last well at least 10 years and you know get to a brokerage where you you feel like you're you're supported and things are uh, things are being done there as always take copious notes you know people are always saying these these new forms they don't have to be signed by members of the public which for reasons i won't go into today i think is great I think it's great that the superintendent and the council realize that they can't make a member of the public sign anything. They don't have any authority over the public. Um, So they don't have to be signed by, by the public, but that, that again, adds, adds to anxiety, well, how is somebody going to, how am I going to prove that I gave this form to somebody? So my advice there is take copious notes, have systems in place. And at our brokerage, what we're saying is whether or not somebody signs a form, I'm going to, after you and I talk about real estate, Braden, I'm going to email you that form and I'm going to say, here's that form that we talked about earlier. That email has been has a digital timestamp on it, so I know when it was sent. And I've got records of the fact that it was sent. And it's going to be very hard for you as a consumer to say you didn't get that form when I had sent it to you. And and lastly, I would say, and I sort of brushed on that with a note, but lastly, it have systems in place. Yeah. The, the the odd time that agents from my group have been called up in front of counsel or called up uh, with some sort of uh, potential legal issue, which have all ended great because I've got some great agents and they're all doing the right thing. But the odd time that that happens, the, and, and back to that expert witness thing, I've seen it in a few different cases as well. When people have systems in place and can show that this is how I do it, step one is I do this. Step two as I do it and you can demonstrate that time and time again, that was the system. It's going to be very hard for someone to claim that in their case, that's not how it happened. So make systems, use systems, take notes, make sure your brokerage is engaged, bug your managing broker to do more training if they're not already doing it. And go to the council website, I believe, is where you do it and sign up for their new, uh, new rules online course.
0: Yeah, I think the standard business practices piece is so critical. I've had, uh, fortunately, since I've been in the business, only one complaint, and it it was thrown out. But the reason why it was thrown out was because I was able to produce uh, notes, as you say, text messages, things like of that nature, um, not just for that one particular transaction, but for every transaction I had done for two or three years. And so it wasn't just a Uh, You know, hey, I'm going to scramble together and pull this stuff so I can show you that I did the right job. It's like, no, no. This is the way I do my business. Rinse and repeat every day. This is the standards I've set. I've followed them. And I think that carries a lot of weight. So, yeah. um, I, I want to ask you about a very specific. We got a question here from one of our viewers, uh, Sean Carey, and he was asking about online lead generation. Uh, in, you know, over the last ten years, we've seen a huge amount of of agents build uh, businesses through online lead gen, paying you know Google pay per click or retargeting or Facebook ads, things of that nature. Uh, and and these agents who are really investing heavily in these techniques are generating upwards of a hundred to thousands of leads a month that they're now trying to uh, build rapport with online in the hope that it learn le- le- sorry, leads to a offline relationship. Right. What do you think about that? Like, okay, you're the listing agent uh, or maybe not even, it's just, I inquired through your website. I sign up for a safe search on your website cause your marketing is great. H- how do you make sure you stay compliant without being a total rapport killer by saying, I'm not talking to you until you sign this form.
1: Right. So the, um, there's a few things and I think right now we got to double down on our disclaimer. Talk, that person's got to talk to their manager to make sure that whatever they see on some video jives with the way that that brokerage has their policies and procedures. But the there's a few things. the The first thing, because I've got a few agents that are doing exactly this and have come to me with this question. And in my mind, if you're doing an online lead generator that's saying, you know, I can tell you, this, this, and that, and give me your name and email address. Of course, you'd have to have something in there about what you do with that information. But at that point, I think you can get that name and email address without needing any disclosure form because there's no chance of either the buyer or you getting into an agency relationship simply by you knowing who they are. But some online lead generators do things like ask for, you know, they say, I'll tell you what your house is worth. And they ask you for your address and your square footage and all the rest of it. In my view, you're you're getting into trading services if you're doing that and providing uh, online versions of what your place may be like, uh, or if you're telling buyers what's for sale or what's recently sold and giving your opinions on what's good value on things, I think you're providing trading services there. So again, another reason why I, I really believe that the fact that the member of the public actually isn't required to sign these forms, that's mm-hmm. a huge win because what what one could do is do a great video, we've got technology, we've got do a great video of me as the agent sitting there for a minute and a half explaining the form. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Seller, uh, I've just sent you an email with an attached PDF. You'll note the following things. and I go through and just sort of highlight the things on the, on the form Send the video and the form to that, uh, to that member of the public. And in my view, you've complied with council's requirements to provide and to explain that uh, form to the member of the public. So yeah. we can use technology and have it be our friend. We don't have to um, We don't have to say sorry until I see you face-to-face and hand you a piece of paper. Um, I can't talk to you, but at some point that needs to be done because what that disclosure of representation does, as you know, is it says, if we decide to work together, here's how it's gonna look, here's what I'm gonna do with your personal information, here's whether or not I'm gonna work in, and act in your best interest as a client, et cetera. And that's something that people need to know as soon as possible.
0: Well, and what I love about the the video uh, concept is that like, we, we've heard the various studies about communication and, you know, we'll just say 10 percent is sort of the average is that 10 percent of our communication is the words we use. Uh, and, and so we know that a flat standard email that's just this text won't necessarily allow us to build rapport. But if we get on the phone or get face to face now, we run the risk of them uh, divulging information that puts us in potentially applied agency. Whereas a video, you get to see me, hear me, my body language, my tonality, the words themselves. And we might actually build a bit of a rapport without you even being able to tell me your motivations, why you're moving, your price, etc. So I think that that video communication is, is really key. Um, ha- have you thought about chatbots? Because I know you're, you're a pretty techie guy. Um, yeah. there, there's a company in Vancouver right now. I just saw do a demo at the last Richard Robbins conference. And, and basically, they're taking um your listings from your website and putting the information to a chatbot so consumers can ask questions about it and the bot could be programmed to say hey how long have you been looking you know does this house meet your criteria etc where do where's your interpretation of of a a chatbot answering or engaging members of the public on your behalf
1: so interesting we haven't seen council come down on chatbots yet and, and make an opinion but i i would strongly believe that their their opinion will be that a chatbot much like an assistant is uh, your responsibility as the person that's that's providing the service. So, but I I think chatbots are a great opportunity if you do use them where you can set as the, because this is Steve Jagger's company you're talking about, right? Correct. Yeah, so I'm sure that they've got the technology either now or very soon where I can set answers to these 15 public general questions and anything else i can say you know what before we go into that i need you to understand what it's going to look like if you end up working with Braden. here's a link to a video and a form please confirm that you've read it and and that could then go into the into the chat log because again in my view as long as that form has been provided and and been explained to the member of the public you're then good to go beyond and, and start asking the real question.
0: Okay, I've and, got one more. quite frankly,
1: sorry, just just quickly on that, quite frankly, a, a chatbot, like any other lead generator, should be a tool to try to get me in front of people. So I actually don't want the chatbot doing a lot of stuff other than general public questions anyway, because if this person is at the point where they know it's two bedrooms, they know it's 1,200 square feet, they know that it's 899,000, and they're still asking questions, I might want the bot to send me a text and say, "Hey Corey, get on the line with these guys. They've got some yeah. questions and they're still asking."
0: So, I, I, just want, I just want the bot to send me the check in the mail, Corey. I just, I just <laughs> want mailbox money. Isn't that how this is supposed to work? This technology stuff. We'll, we'll
1: archive this video in a couple hundred years. They will look <laughs> and they'll say, "Yes, they were right. They got it." Yes.
0: Yeah. You heard it here first on the Vancouver Island real estate show. Okay. I have one more practical uh, question for you. Um, and then, and then we're just going to just have one last general one and we're going to carry on with our days. So uh, I, I, what I'm seeing right now, what I've observed the last 60 days the 30 days leading up to the changes. And now the 30 days after is with a lot of these lead generation models, be it open houses or, or uh, online advertising, things of that nature. It's never been more important in my eyes to have a great database, a great referral system, whether it's, it's the Richard Robbins lifetime referral system or the Brian Buffini methodology or whatever, having a database is, is so critical to success because you have people calling you because they already know, like and trust you, want to work with you. Um, but I had an interesting comment from someone say, well, if I'm doing a great newsletter, maybe I compose it myself and I'm interpreting the market stats and delivering that to my database, Am I running the risk of all of a sudden being giving agency advice to my my past clients? And and it just started getting me thinking about if we're engaging 20 or 30 times a year with our database providing value, is there a line that we have to be mindful of? What's your take on that?
1: I, I would say yes, there there is. under Again, hopefully at some point the council will come in and say, you know, here's the 15 things that you can do and, and here's the 15 things that... That will trigger the form and be a little bit more black and white about it. But in the meantime, I think regardless of the of the the way that the communication is happening, so whether whether it's a chatbot, meeting face to face, over a video conference like this, or uh, sending communications to clients, that we're all now confined by this general public information. That if we go beyond that, we need to disclose agency to. Now, if I've done a deal with with somebody and now I wanna continue sending them things, but I've already done that disclosure to them as part of uh, originally meeting with them and putting together uh, the transaction. I think I've, I've taken care of that requirement. Council hasn't yet said how long the mm. form is good for, but if I've recently done that, I think, yeah. I think I'm good to go. If I'm emailing someone that I did a deal with seven years ago, just as part of the, you know, keep in touch, send me your referrals, um, you know, and, and just good customer service type of thing, I think I have two choices. I keep my newsletters to general public information, which mm-hmm. some, someone might want to do, or I decide that I'm going to dive deeper than that, but I find a way to deliver and explain the new representation form. And mm-hmm. again, that can be done digitally. And, uh, you could do it in a two step where someone could click on something. And when they click on that, it then gets them into the newsletter and acknowledges that they've seen the video or, you know, something like that. There's, there's lots of ways to, to. Make that work.
0: We we have to be really mindful as an industry to make sure that we're putting the 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 horse in front of the cart, not the other way around, as far as how we communicate. Okay, uh, really quickly, and one of your agents walks into your office is feeling really discouraged about their ability to compete in this new um, rule regime, or or their ability to, to earn a living. I mean, what? what's your, your 30 to 60 second pep talk for them? What would you, how would you redirect their, their focus to, to get them back out thinking positively and embracing these changes?
1: The, this like every other change that's ever happened is an opportunity there. There's so much opportunity in, in this for amazing agents to look like the professionals that they are. And that's been my message to my agents for pretty much the last month i hear the the gripes i feel the anxiety i understand but at the end of the day this is what we do and this is what we do best and we already have examples of people doing the forms dealing with it in a way finding the the right wording to go around things where members of the public have said wow we didn't know about these changes thanks for letting us know or hey i just walked into an open house across the street and they didn't mention anything about this so is not everybody under the same rules because you know people are slowly learning this stuff. A, a lot of agents haven't taken this new, uh, the new rules uh, council course, so they're not gonna they're gonna be a little bit behind the eight ball with that. But uh, it's an opportunity. It always is. I, just a very quick story. I started in this business in 1998. I, w- I went to the real estate board of Greater Vancouver for an orientation, and I I ran into a guy that was a realtor that I knew from uh, from another part of my life. And he said, hey, what are you doing here? I said, just got my license. I'm doing the orientation of the board. And he said, haven't you heard? It's over. They're putting all the listings on the internet on realtylink.org. We're done. That was 1998. And then FinTrack came along. We had to start FinTracking people. And people said, you know, people will never give us that information. We're done. Some agents started realizing, hey, I get to see people's birthdays. And I can now put, I can now say happy birthday next year. I never used to have that information. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, designated agency came along where it used to be brokerage agency. So everyone in the office was deemed to be working for the client. They correctly said, you know what? No, no, only Braden, the designated agent, is working for that person so someone else in the office can represent. We got through that. And quite frankly, that was the right thing. The the professionals that think through it and look for the opportunity, go ahead and 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 gripe there's nothing wrong with that because there's some very real concerns but at the end of the day we got to pick up ourselves up by our bootstraps and say how do we manage this and again i believe there's lots of opportunity to look like professionals and, and do very well in this new reality
0: I uh, could not say that any better myself. Corey, that's a great message. Thank you. I I receive a lot of calls uh, from members of the public in the course of the month thinking about getting in the business. And I always get that question. Like, do you do you think there's opportunity to be a realtor? Like, it seems like there's lots of realtors. And my take on it is there's always opportunity for the professionals. And I think this is just another way that we're going to set ourselves apart. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for the mentorship you've given me in the last year. It's, it's, it's been fun to pick your brain and, and get another point of view from, from someone who, who sees management uh, a little bit closer to my perspective. So I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on.
1: And the true test of how well we did today, is your grandma still watching?
0: Uh, oh yeah, no, no, she's uh, she's always on. <laughs>
1: okay, hi grandma, thanks for yeah. watching.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks, man, I appreciate you so much. Have a great day.
1: Thanks, right? See ya. Yeah.
0: All right, there you are, ladies and gentlemen. That is Corey Raven from Remax in Vancouver, broker owner over there. And uh, as you can tell, uh, one of the professionals who's, who's really taking, taking a leading role in trying to show us uh, how to do this by example, both in his office as well as uh, with BCREA. So really excited. Um, next week, we have a, a returning guest. We have Tony Joe. Uh, coming on the show, and uh, he's going to be coming again. We're going to hit this topic one more time, and then I promise you, uh, we're going to move on from it because I think we'll we'll have uh, really educated the, the the agent population as best we can. Tony's gonna to be coming, looking from the perspective of an instructor uh, with BCREA, he's a team leader. Uh, spoiler alert, he hasn't blown apart his team since these changes have come in. Um, and his, I think you know his team has never been stronger. So I'm really excited to pick his brain. Again, another practitioner in the field. Here's how he's dealing with these changes. Here's how he sees it. I think it's gonna be a great, great interview. So make sure you check it out. That is 11:15 a.m. next Tuesday. I'll see you there. And uh, until next time, have a great rest of your week. Bye for now.